Welcome to week 16 of the Wolf Sports Show. Merry Christmas to everyone. Christmas is in a few days and we'll have two NFL games. The Browns face the Packers at Lambeau Field and the Colts face the Cardinals at night. I don't know about you guys, but last week was kind of nuts and confusing with the postponements and games being moved to Monday and then Tuesday, two games last night. It's been almost hard to keep track of days and the week, but it is week 16 now, three more weeks to go in the regular season, and this episode is being recorded a day early, so hopefully you will all have time to listen, maybe before you travel or as you're traveling, so a day early for this week's episode ahead of Christmas on Saturday, Christmas Eve, Friday, and because of the weird schedule from last week, this show might end up being shorter, but still we will hit all 32 teams and we're going to look at every single matchup for week 16. But first, one of the big stories from last week is still going on. The COVID issues in the NFL and the Omicron variant impacting things. It's COVID is what led to the postponements last week to throw everything out of whack. Also out of whack, I'm sure if you're listening, you probably most likely play fantasy football also. It was a really crazy week last week for the start of the fantasy playoffs. Tons of star players didn't do much at all, including on the Sunday night game, Tom Brady and Alvin Kamara each had, I think, around four points each. Unfortunately, Chris Godwin left the game with a torn ACL. We'll get to that more later. But that's a huge blow to Tampa Bay. Mike Evans left the game with a hamstring issue, as did Leonard Fournette, who's now expected to miss the rest of the regular season. So yeah, crazy week fantasy-wise also, in addition to just the results of the games and the postponements. The NFL and NFLPA did come to an agreement over the weekend that kicked in on Monday a couple of days ago for basically scaled-back testing If for vaccinated players. Unvaccinated players are still tested daily. But for vaccinated players, the testing was supposed to be scaled back because the Omicron variant is going so crazy, basically. Over 10% of the league has tested positive for the virus in the past couple of 10 days, really. It's been just nuts. But because basically everyone is testing positive or a bunch of players are testing positive, the NFL-NFLPA agreement was supposed to make things go more smoothly. The thought was that Nobody that's vaccinated would get tested unless they were showing symptoms. That was the thought. Maybe I did not look into it enough myself, but the reporting on it did not seem great. That seemed to be what it was. That was just vaccinated players are only tested with if they have symptoms. Then apparently Monday, a bunch of big names were still popping up as positives, and I was like, what's going on? And then it was, I guess, revealed that part of the agreement is targeted testing. It's like airport checks. 
you're selected at random and that's what it is for this testing now for even the vaccinated players you can be selected randomly and because of how widespread the virus is becoming with the omicron variant you still have it's almost as if the players being selected are testing positive you had for the chargers joey bosa who is unvaccinated so he's out already he can't get cleared he needs to miss at least the 10 days it's mandatory for unvaccinated players so he's out even though i'm sure he's feeling fine but he's out and then running back austin eckler and all pro center Corey lindsley are also they were both placed on the covid list but they are vaccinated so have a, they have a shot to get cleared for sunday and among the other names jared goff travis kelsey and tyree kill for the chiefs also harrison bucker for the chiefs and a few other players They've been hit hard, Kansas City. But all these players, even though they're vaccinated, the vaccinated ones anyway, again, Bose is unvaccinated, so he's out. But the vaccinated players have a shot to test out, which is easier to do now under the new NFL-NFLPA agreement. So we'll see where that goes. And I'm just hoping for no more postponements. I know a lot of people liked having the extra game on Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern and then two Tuesday games. I don't like the reason. It happened with COVID being the issue and this whole thing never should have happened a couple of years ago when it started in China. There's talk of maybe doing Tuesday night football permanently moving forward. Some are pushing for that. The NFL is probably considering it. It'd get great ratings. Personally, I I don't know. It might be a bit much. Some also called for a Monday night doubleheader. Not everyone has time to follow the NFL like it's another sport where they play every day of the week, basically. I think it's good how it's set up now. Monday night game, Thursday night game, and dominated day of the week on Sunday, a bunch of games then. And then Saturday when the college football regular season is over, Saturday games are great in December. I think that's enough. As a huge football fan, I don't think you need to go crazy and start doing Tuesday games also or Monday night doubleheader. I think that's too much. The NFL is definitely king of really television, all shows. But people might get somewhat tired of having it every single day. I think the exclusivity of dominating Sunday and then throw in the Monday games, Thursday games, and occasionally Saturday when December hits, I think that's works well for them. And they should keep that, not start doing Tuesday games. And, and I doubt I'm alone on this with the games Monday and Tuesday being dominated by the NFL all all evening, basically. I haven't had time to catch up on Yellowstone. Again, I'm probably not alone in that and hoping to, because it airs Sunday and gets a ton of viewers, millions of viewers, so I'm sure I'm not alone among NFL fans that have not been able to catch up on Yellowstone because it Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, it's been, the NFL's been on, so... And we now have another outbreak. 15 Jets have been placed on the COVID list just now, including head coach Robert Sala. And yeah, a bunch of bunch of names. So that's a potential issue there to look out for. Hopefully the game is not moved from Sunday. They face the Jaguars. Something to keep an eye on. And all right, again, might try to make this a quicker show. 
not going in that direction right now, but we'll see. Um, I'll try to make the getting through every all 16 week, 16 matchups quicker. And let's get right to it. The Thursday night game, the Niners against the Titans. This should be a very physical game. Both teams want to run the ball. Both teams want to play hard, tough. Unfortunately, we've mentioned him a few times with the hamstring. Julio Jones, again, the thought was he would be fine. Now moving forward after a stint on IR, but the hamstring was an issue again in the Titans' loss to the Steelers last week. He's looking uncertain, doubtful, really, for Thursday night. The good news is A.J. Brown returned to practice. He was on IR with the chest injury and really various injuries. And it looks like he has a good shot to play in Week 16, despite the short week. So that would be huge for Tennessee. For the Niners, they handled the Falcons last week pretty easily. Ran the ball well with Jeff Wilson. Debo Samuel again scored on the ground. He's had an insane stretch as a receiver, five straight games with a rushing touchdown. A record stretch for him. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe Jimmy Garoppolo, I mentioned it last week, I think he was third last week. I think now he leads the NFL in yards per attempt. He's been slept slept on to some extent. When he takes care of the ball and doesn't throw interceptions, he's very good, quick release, accurate. There was an on point over the middle and in a spot where his receivers can catch and run and make plays. That's part of what makes Kittle so dangerous, Debo Samuel so dangerous. When they get the ball in their hands, it hits them right in the chest from Jimmy G, and they can catch and run with it. And that's part of why... He hasn't been unleashing a ton of deep balls, but still his yards per attempt is so high. Part of the reason is off the run game, they do the play action and Jimmy G hits his guys in stride and they create chunk plays. So San Francisco probably has more firepower tomorrow night, but the Titans will make it a gritty type of game. It should be a good one to kick off week 16. Then on Saturday, Christmas Day, two matchups. First, the Browns face the Packers at 4.30 on Fox. Oh, and first, I want to mention, I'm sure if you watch the NFL, you've seen the ads. They've been all over Fox about the All Madden documentary about legendary Hall of Fame coach John Madden and broadcaster John Madden. That airs at 2 o'clock on Fox. That, again, I'm sure you've seen the ads. That looks excellent. It looks like it's going to be a must-watch for sports fans, really. So that's 2 o'clock on Fox. It goes till 3.30, I believe, and that should be a fantastic watch on Christmas before the games. Or you could record it and watch later if you don't have time on Christmas, but it looks like a must-watch. And it seemed like a good thing to watch on Christmas, too. It just feels like they've been promoting it for months now about how it airs Christmas Day, so that should be really good. But Cleveland at Lambeau Field facing uh, Red Hot Aaron Rodgers and Packers offense. Green Bay nearly gave up the lead to Baltimore last week, but they held on, making a stop on a two-point conversion attempt by the Ravens. Devontae Adams was doubled about as much as you can be doubled last week, but he still was able to have a solid game, scored a touchdown. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon continued to do damage on the ground as a one-two punch that isn't fun to go against in the cold weather. Green Bay is not expected to get back Jair Alexander or David Bakhtiari as they continue to make returns from injuries. The hope might be for them to get back with a game or two left in the regular season and 
and get in somewhat of a groove ahead of the postseason. The Browns, they dealt with the huge COVID issues. Their game was moved to Monday. It was still, I guess because the game was Saturday, it was moved only to Monday, but it was somewhat arbitrary, the postponement of games and who tests out of the protocols and whatnot because Baker Mayfield was feeling fine. I'm sure other people were. While on the COVID list, he couldn't get cleared. Nick Mullins had to start with not much experience in Cleveland, although he has starting experience for San Francisco. But he had to start. He didn't. He played pretty well. Had a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. But still, the Browns were in a tough spot. They got Nick Chubb going in the second half. It wasn't enough. The Raiders came back and took back the lead with a game-winning field goal by Daniel Carlson late as time expired. But Mayfield will be back. Kevin Stefanski, head coach, will be back for Christmas. And it's obviously a critical game for them in a tough spot at Green Bay. For the night game on Christmas, the Colts face the Cardinals. Another matchup of two physical teams. The Colts, we all know with Jonathan Taylor, he iced the game last week with a 67-yard touchdown run against the Patriots. The defense made plays early on special teams. They had a punt block for a touchdown. Indy, as you know if you've been watching Hard Knocks, as I have, the in-season Hard Knocks on HBO, they're an all-around group, all-around team, and Taylor is basically unstoppable. The Cardinals are coming off a stunning loss to the Lions. They were lit up by Jared Goff. Cliff Kingsbury said entering the week he's never beaten Goff, who was with the Rams. The past couple of years, obviously, when Kingsbury wasn't in Arizona. But golf torched them for three touchdowns. They were run on. Kyler Murray was really frustrated by Detroit's defense. So I fully expect the Cardinals will come in laser-focused on Christmas night. And these should both be superb games, I think. All playoff contenders, all, I would think, at least three of them will be in the postseason, maybe all four. So it's nice that it worked out well to have a Christmas schedule like this, and it should be fun. Now to Sunday, I'll go more rapid fire. Here again, I want to make it a quicker show. I don't think I've accomplished that over the first three games. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of excited about them, the first three. I think they're, they're obviously really good ones Sunday, too. But three of the best games of the week are the Thursday and then the Christmas-Saturday games. But we'll go quicker for most of these Sunday games. The Lions face the Falcons. Detroit coming off that big win. They're Again, they were not going to be an easy team to beat. They upset the Cardinals. Jared Goff looked great. Rookie Amon Ross St. Brown has quietly put together an eye-opening stretch, at least numbers-wise. He's putting up numbers, getting targets. The Falcons are coming off a loss to the Niners. They weren't really a match for them. Matt Ryan was again under pressure. I feel bad when I see him running for his life often this season. If the offensive line could figure things out, they, the Falcons could push for a playoff spot. They're doing that, but could push for maybe win a playoff game even, I think. So we'll see if they can protect Matt Ryan this week against the Lions. The Rams face the Vikings. Minnesota... The Bears got the touchdown at the end, but they didn't let them do much, even if they 
drove in deep into their territory. They made stops. It'll get tougher facing the Rams this week. L.A. aided by the refs a bit, or a lot aided by the refs last night against the Seahawks. They're still vying for the NFC West. The Rams benefited, I think, more than anyone by the games being postponed, delayed because of COVID. Jalen Ramsey was among those that was back after the delay. And they were the only team that had the game delayed for pretty much for them, along with Washington and Cleveland. They were delayed because of their own COVID issues, even though the Raiders and the Eagles were basically fine. The Raiders and Eagles were able to get a little bit of vengeance for changing the game. They got wins, but the Rams were able to win. The Seahawks couldn't pull off the upset after they would have preferred for the game to be played on Sunday. Cooper Cup is just having an insane season. And it's not talked about much, but from what I've seen anyway, aside from on Wolf Sports and on the show, Sony Michelle has been the key for the Rams offense. Once they went to him as the lead back, he turns forward for positive yardage, keeps the offense in favorable positions, and he's brought physicality. He had a few noticeable game-changing plays last night, showing strong balance and power, and people are mad because of fancy football reasons that Daryl Henderson is not the lead back anymore, but the Rams are in a better spot with Michelle there and Henderson mixing in behind him. The Jags face the Jets. We just hit on the Jets breaking issues with COVID. They got off to a great start against the Dolphins last week. Couldn't hold on and win. The Jaguars, the hope was, including on the show, I thought they might rally around the Urban Meyer firing, but they weren't. It wasn't great against the Texans. The good news is James Robinson was involved heavily again, had a nice game in the loss. And this is a matchup of the two, the first two picks from the 2021 NFL draft, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So that should be exciting. And hopefully they're fine and don't land on the COVID list and miss the game. Should be a good matchup with the watching the rookie quarterbacks. The Giants face the Eagles. We've talked about Jake Fromm on the show. He got in the game last week against the Cowboys, gave an instant jolt to the Giants offense. I didn't look at the all-22. It didn't look like a prevent type of defense to me. It looked like tight coverage. He was making accurate throws, really pinpoint throws right on the money, good timing with his receivers despite just joining the team recently, unless they're just... I don't even know. Total idiots, I guess. Fromm is going to have to play at some point. He might not start this week still, but at some point, one of the final three games, he needs to make a start after what he showed in the game last week. And again, he should not have been a fifth-round pick, in my opinion. He easily could have been a first-rounder or a top-ten pick, I think, but clearly team saw it differently. So look for Fromm to get at least more time this week, maybe his first career start with Daniel Jones now done for the year, officially placed on injured reserve by the Giants with his neck issue. But at least the Giants are saying, I guess they wouldn't say anything too negative, but they're saying they expect a full recovery for Jones, which would be great. For the Eagles, Jalen Hurts 
returning from the high ankle sprain and returning to some talk that Gardner Minshew should be the starting quarterback. He responded and had one of his best games against Washington. 20 of 26, nearly 300 yards. A few drops thrown in there. Uh, an interception to start the game off of Dallas Goddard's heel, off a drop, then a fumble. And they were down 10-0, but Hurts and the team showed resiliency. They ran the ball extremely well again. I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think it's the first team since the 1985 Bears to have 175 rushing yards, I think it is, in seven consecutive games. For a stat like that with the 85 Bears, one of the best teams in league history, that's pretty good. And now Philadelphia is 7-7. Seven and seven. Three divisional games to close out the season against the three divisional opponents. And in a year that's so wide open, I would not sleep on them making a playoff run. With the way they can run the ball, they could make some noise in a, what's been an unpredictable season. So keep an eye on them. But Hurts didn't play well. Maybe his worst game a few weeks ago against the Giants. We'll see if he can bounce back at home against them. Then I don't know how this is a 1 o'clock game. I wish it was flexed into Sunday night. The Bills face the Patriots, this time in Foxborough, a few weeks after the Patriots beat them in Buffalo in the very rare windy conditions where it was hard to throw the ball. The Patriots threw it three times and got the win. Mac Jones and the Patriots had a slow start on Saturday night. They bounced back, nearly came back, had a real shot at it at Indy. Damian Harris was out last week with the hamstring injury. He had injured against Buffalo. If he's back, that'll be big. He's had good games against the Bills in the past, including the Monday night win. And for the Bills, they should have an easier time throwing the ball this time around. But they have tried to get the run game going more. Third down will be huge for the Bills this week, as it is for all teams all weeks, but Josh Allen might need to do a lot with his legs to keep drives going. And Buffalo will be without Cole Beasley, who is also placed on the COVID list just recently, and he's unvaccinated also, so that forces him to miss the game. He says he's feeling fine. So that's unfortunate for the Bills, who will probably also be without Emmanuel Sanders again because of a knee injury. I like the Christmas games probably best this week, partly because they're on Christmas, but Bills and Patriots is the game to watch on Sunday, I think. And the other game to watch on Sunday is the Ravens against the Bengals. Cincinnati destroyed them in the first matchup. It wasn't even close. That was in Baltimore. This time it's in Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson remains day-to-day, -day, they're calling him. I'm not sure he doesn't seem particularly close to playing. They're saying day-to-day -day, it might be more of a week-to-week -week thing. But Tyler Huntley did something last week that Jackson has never done in his career, had two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in the near comeback win over the Packers. It was highly impressive the way Huntley played. Mark Andrews had a huge day. As good as Jackson is, Huntley, he had a game-winning drive against the Bears. In his other start this season, Huntley has shown that he can play really well for the Ravens in an offense that suits his skill set, which is why they went with him as the backup, because they like Trace McSorley also, who is a strong backup too, and could do well when 
if called upon. The Bengals got a tough win at Denver last week, but the run game still with Joe Mixon hasn't gotten going now, and now Mixon's dealing with an ankle. Might be tough to run on Baltimore, but they might go with a pass-heavy attack, and they killed him through the air in the first matchup. The Chargers face the Texans. We already hit on the Chargers. COVID issues. Joey Bosa's already out. Eckler and Lindsley are in jeopardy of missing the game. The analytics stuff with the Chargers was on full display for everyone to see on Thursday Night Football last week. I like the aggressiveness in some situations, like the first matchup against the Chiefs. I kind of liked them being ultra-aggressive with Brandon Staley going for it, and they connected with Mike Williams on huge plays in that first win over the Chiefs earlier this season. But it felt like that, I know it wasn't, I think they were just going by the numbers then too, it felt like that was more appropriate for whatever reason it felt like a feel thing i'm not using hindsight 2020 i liked it back then when they went for it on thursday night it it didn't feel like momentum was going their way to just keep going for it on fourth down instead of taking the points it wasn't the end of the game like it was in the previous matchup on those key plays this time around it just felt like they were hurting themselves going for it so much not taking the points and Who knows how things turn out. Kicking a field goal instead of going for it and not converting. That changes the whole complexion of the game. Maybe the Chiefs still would have come back a different way, but I think you take the points and the Chargers probably would have won last week and not gone to overtime and lost to Travis Kelsey, who went off. And I'm not a fan of anyone that questions the analytics decision getting talked down as an idiot or whatever. If you've listened to this show, you know I'm not a huge fan on analytics determining things. I think a feel feel thing is the best way to go. I think most or many of the great coaches in history would strongly agree that the analytics, probably not fans. You saw on Saturday night Bill Belichick kicked a field goal in a fourth and goal situation from, I think, the seven-yard line. He kicked the field goal to get the game closer, and it nearly worked out. If Jonathan Taylor didn't break that touchdown around, who knows what would have happened. Anyway, the Chargers will face the Texans. I think it's a good sign for Houston that they were able to beat Jacksonville last week. Hopefully it's a sign of progress. And just to mention one player for Houston, Brandon Cooks, again, having a under-the-radar very good season. It's been tough with the Texans this year. They're not very good at all. But Cooks is one of the league's most consistent players, and he's shown it again this year. The Bucks face the Panthers. Tom Brady's team was shut out for the first time in over a decade, well over a decade, last Sunday night in the loss to the Saints. It was most stunning because it came at home where Tampa Bay has been just killing teams this year. Even before the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette injuries, they all left early. It was looking like it was going to be a tough night against the Saints defense that's had the Bucks number. During the regular season, they really had their number, and then the Bucks were able to beat them when it mattered most last postseason on their way to a Super Bowl. The Bucks just couldn't get anything going against the Saints. Again, the injuries hurt. I think I don't think they would have got shot out. I think they might have won the game if those key players didn't get hurt. Certainly, I don't think they would have gotten shut out. The Godwin injury is just huge because of Everything he does, including the dirty work in the run game, run blocking, 
he's their go-to guy on screen passes and is excellent after the catch. One of the league's top team players, one of the league's toughest players. You could see he took that huge hit to the knee, looked like definitely an ACL or something, something really serious. And he went to the blue medical tent, came out jogging, was trying to maybe see if he could give it a go. So jogging on the sidelines after taking that hit to the knee and trying to get back out there. That shows how tough Godwin is. And he was on the franchise tag this year, which makes it even more unfortunate. But I'm hoping that the Bucks will reward him for his play, his consistency with the big long-term deal, almost whatever he wants. And I would think Tom Brady, who feels bad about Godwin getting hurt and said that the league should look into taking out those type of plays where Godwin was hit at the knees. Receivers do not like that. I would think Brady will tell the Bucks. Brady has a lot of control, will tell the Bucks to get Godwin locked up this offseason. And for Tampa Bay, look for Antonio Brown is expected back after his three-game suspension, him and Mike Edwards, for the fake COVID vaccine cards, I guess it was. They'll be back, and I think Brown will be a huge part of the offense starting this week and moving throughout the postseason, especially with Godwin out. And Brady loves throwing to Brown. So for the Panthers, Cam Newton was... He started last week. They stopped the two-quarterback thing, which I think was a good idea. Didn't work out to a win. They were in a tough spot at Buffalo. Kicker Zane Gonzalez got hurt in pregame, and he couldn't kick. So that added just another thing to deal with for the Panthers. Now Sam Darnold, the word is he might get some playing time this week. He was reportedly told to be ready to play. He's still on injured reserve right now, but he might be activated. So keep an eye on that, and we'll see if the Panthers' defense can make some plays against the shorthanded Bucks offense. Also, Tampa Bay added Le'Veon Bell, former All-Pro, to the running back group. He'll help compliment Ronald Jones, and he'll rejoin Antonio Brown from their days in Pittsburgh when they were two All-Pros and really lighting it up with the Steelers. So that'll be interesting to watch. We'll move through these final 4 o'clock games quickly. The Bears face the Seahawks. The Bears were eliminated from playoff contention. The Seahawks are now, after the loss of the Rams, set to have a losing record the first time under Russell Wilson, which is pretty stunning. It just hasn't gone well for Seattle. The connection between Wilson and DK Metcalf, for whatever reason, just has not been there, has not worked this year. Chicago, you've got to give them credit for playing hard last week against the Vikings. They have a bit of a rivalry with Dalvin Cook, and they did a nice job on him again. The offense just couldn't do much, and they were unable to get the win and remain alive for the playoffs. But there should be two proud teams playing this week in Seattle, and we'll see how Justin Fields fares in what should be a tough environment on the road with a lot of crowd noise. The Broncos face the Raiders, both Still alive for the AFC playoffs. The Raiders are coming off that win over Cleveland. Broncos coming off the loss to the Bengals. Again, Vegas had the game-winning field goal by Daniel Carlson as time expired. Derek Carr did a good job of getting them into field goal range at the end of the game after the Raiders got another opportunity following a stop. 
And again, it's a divisional game, so it should be a close one for week 16. Final 4 o'clock window game for Sunday is the Steelers face the Chiefs. This is under the radar as a strong game, I think. Pittsburgh is coming off that big win against the Titans. They're squarely in the both the division and wildcard mix after the win. But the challenging schedule on paper continues going to Arrowhead. I wanted to see the Chiefs offense get it going more against a tougher opponent than the Raiders have let them light them up twice. They did that on Thursday night. Again, Travis Kelsey, the huge game, the game-winning catch-and-run touchdown in overtime. He set a career high in receiving yards in a game. But him and Tyree Kill on the COVID list, as mentioned earlier. So that's something to watch, obviously. Micah Fitzpatrick, he had one of his best games, which is saying something. He's had a strong early career. He made a big difference last week against the Titans. We'll see if he can keep that, that going against the Chiefs this week. And it should be a playoff-like atmosphere, I think, between two of the league's top franchises on Sunday. The Sunday night game, the Washington faces Dallas. They just played a couple of weeks ago. They'll match up again. Washington, they kind of needed a win at Philly last night. Couldn't get it done with the postponement. Didn't help them at the quarterback spot. Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen were both out. But Garrett Gilbert, he showed a lot in a tough spot. Just joined the team from New England's practice squad, I think it was. He stood in there in a difficult situation, made good throws, gave Washington a chance to maybe pull off the upset, but they just couldn't stop the ground game for the Eagles or really anything for the Eagles. So they're in a tough spot and need to get a win against the Cowboys this week. The playmaking defense for the Cowboys was again on full display against the Giants last week. Trayvon Diggs, I did not think it was an interception. I don't think it should have been ruled that. But they gave it to him for his 10th of the year, which is amazing. And with the way the defense plays, they'll be, they are favorites again on Sunday night. And they're in the mix for the top seed in the NFC, thanks in large part to that defense paired with the strong offense led by Dak Prescott. And also another call I should mention, the Diggs interception I didn't agree with. The Seahawks were totally... They have some, it happened earlier this season too to them, where the officials are taking too much of the game in their hands. The one that's being talked about most is the DJ Dallas pass interference. He was clearly clearly interfered with, and the officials did not call it. Then Dallas got an unsportsmanlike conduct for kicking the ball because he was mad, and on the sideline he was mad about it, and clearly he was interfered with. Arguably a call that was just as bad happened earlier was a holding call phantom holding call they said cooper cup was held on a third down i think it was at the 10 yard line of the rams the rams had the ball and they it was third down they called a hold on i forget who was called on but it was they were guarding cooper cup it was clearly not a hold i don't know what they were looking at there and then the rams eventually scored seven points on a touchdown to cup later that drive and again they should have been punting from their own 10 after a third down stop but yeah, not good officiating in that game for the Seahawks in a game they had to win to somehow stay alive and get in the playoffs. So that's tough for them. And finally, the Monday night game, the Dolphins face the Saints in New Orleans. 
The Saints are looking to keep some momentum going after the upset win over the Bucks last week. Look for Alvin Kamara to get going more for New Orleans after he was limited by the great Bucks D run defense last week. For the Dolphins, Duke Johnson Jr., he went to Miami, made a start for the Dolphins last week after they dealt with COVID issues at running back. And he had probably the best game of his career. Scored twice. So that must have been cool for him to perform for his hometown team like that. And the Dolphins were able to get the win over the Jets to get to 7-7 seven and seven at Christmas as I outlined for as a real possibility for them. It'll get tougher now, the schedule facing the Saints this week. But we'll see. It should be a good one. It's almost, to some extent, like a playoff game, playoff matchup, like an interconference playoff matchup almost between two teams looking to get a wildcard spot in their conferences. So it should be a good one to end week 16. And now quickly, let's get to the questions and comments, whatever. Again, if you have any, send them in to David Chapin at wolfsports.com. Include your name, state, hometown, if you'd like. Love the show. College coaches will never work out in the NFL. Why do teams keep hiring Urban Meyer types? Carl from Florida. I agree with the Urban Meyer situation. From the jump, a lot of people didn't think that would work out, but I don't agree that college coaches will never work out in the NFL. College coaches have worked out in the NFL. Pete Carroll has won a Super Bowl, came a play away from winning another against the Patriots. Cliff Kingsbury didn't have success in college and was termed a college coach, as I think was accurate. It was, it was a surprising hire when the Cardinals got him, but he's worked out well for Arizona to this point. Jimmy Johnson worked for the Cowboys a few decades ago. There's no problem with college coaches in the NFL. They're not like college coaches. It's still football. I think Chip Kelly, if you have followed on Wolf Sports, I think Chip Kelly did well in the NFL. It didn't work out record-wise at the end for a Niners team that was just terrible, really bad roster. And he tried to rebuild things in Philadelphia. He kind of started the rebuild to a Super Bowl, in my opinion, in cutting guys loose when he got control in 2015, full control. He did well. He won Coach of the Year, I believe, his first year after coming from college from Oregon. So I don't agree with that. But I appreciate the comment, Carl. And thank you for listening. But I do agree that Urban Meyer, maybe you're getting at some, yeah, some coaches just don't feel like they would work out coming from college to the NFL. And I think Meyer was one of them. Always had the most talented team by far at Ohio State, almost always. And that was not the case in Jacksonville. This one from Denny in New Jersey. Happy holidays. Thoughts on this specific rumor of Russell Wilson, the Giants? Thanks, Denny. Merry Christmas. I did see talk now that I think Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated said Russell Wilson, the Giants, as it wasn't like a formal report or anything, I don't think, but there has been that talk. I think there's too many moving parts for me to say right now. The Giants are probably going to have a new regime. So I hit on it last week with Wilson. I think he might stay in Seattle. Though this season has been challenging and just weird to watch them struggle so much offensively. And finally, Max from North Carolina. Does Chris Godwin's injury change your Super Bowl pick? Buccaneers-Bills was my preseason pick. I've been sticking with that recently, though the Patriots have been intriguing. The Chiefs are now intriguing. I guess we'll see at the start of the postseason. Whoever gets the number one seed in the NFC, 
might have a big impact on that. The Bucks went to Lambeau Field last year and beat the Packers. Might be tough to do that two straight seasons. I really like how the Packers have looked on both sides of the ball this season, more so than last year and the year before when they were really good too. I'll just say, yeah, it might change my pick. I'm, I might be leaning Packers right now from the NFC. But again, I'll have a, another pick. We'll see if it remains Bucks Bills or what. Another pick out of the postseason. So we'll leave it there for episode 16 of the Wolf Sports Show. I think it went longer than I anticipated. We hit all 32 teams again. We've got a strong Thursday night game and then Christmas Day games. Good divisional matchups on Sunday, including Sunday night. We'll see if Washington can make it. And that just about does it. Hopefully everyone stays safe in the NFL. And those of you listening, enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy the games. Thank you for listening and Merry Christmas.